Bird's Eye View is a member of the Baltimore Sports Report Network. Find more podcasts like this at BaltimoreSportsReport.com. BaltimoreSportsReport.com. Welcome back to Bird's Eye View. When it comes to the Orioles, this weekly podcast is your official source for a lack of insight and for baseless opinion. Today is August 14th, 2017, and this is episode 213. My name is Jake English. And I'm Scott Magnus. On today's show, we will go point and counterpoint as we discuss exactly what is going on here and the late game. It's getting to the late part of the season, Scott. And I've got a roll of quarters, and we're going to use them for a very fortuitous reason. But we'll do that right after we lubricate the show. That's right. It's time for the drink of the week. Scott Magnus, what are you drinking? Nothing like lubricating up with a roll of quarters. Absolutely. Absolutely. Jake, I am drinking a Yards Brewing Company Love Stout. Um, Kind of a creamy coffee taste, but uh, Jake, uh, this world needs a little bit more love in it. So bottoms up to Yards Brewing Company. All right. Speaking of something else the world needs a little bit more of... um, a lack of class. Wait, that's not right. I'm drinking Bud Light. We've Lime had plenty of that lately. Because I can. And because I will. Um, if you'd like to mock me and occasionally smile when I drink good beer, you can find me on untapped at Jake E4025. And you can find me at MEGN8606. And with that, let's go ahead and dabble up with some bandages over in the medical wing. Ah, uh, yes, the good old checkup in the medical wing. Not a ton of stuff going on, I'd say, over in the medical wing, except a lot of players uh, pending returns is the good way to put it. Um, it's talked about Anthony and Santander potentially joining the roster later this week. Ryan Flaherty looks like he is being sent for uh, Class A advanced rehab assignments and just ready to go, basically. Uh, and then even J.J. Hardy was getting back into the swing of things this week. Apparently, he is going to be going on rehab assignments uh, in the very near future as well. So, Jake, I ask you this question. Out of those three players, which ones are you most excited about seeing on an active Orioles roster? Uh, is D none of the above an option? That's harsh, but I can understand it. You're not interested whatsoever in potentially seeing an Anthony Santander um, in the lineup at all? Not on scholarship. Okay. The, the thing is, is if the Orioles are going to try to make a thing happen... I don't want to see the future. If the Orioles are definitely out of it and there's nothing left to play for, well, then, yeah, throw them out there. But I ask you. So you don't, don't want to see another Felix PA experiment, basically. Well, yeah. Is, is Anthony Santander better than the options that we have currently available for corner outfield spots? Uh, from a defensive standpoint, no. From an offensive standpoint, probably, but not that much better. In his first what two months in the league i'm not sure jake i think you've seen uh, especially this year that uh prospects uh within major league baseball can have an immense amount of impact um on the game those just don't have to be orioles prospects they happen to just be everybody else's prospects but anthony santander is meh i mean it'll be fun to get him to see play a few games but it'll be the same situation like when henry rudia came up and played a few games and you're just like well it's, that's interesting and fun but it's not that big of a deal what uh what do you think the roster move is to get him here uh, question mark, question mark, question mark. That's, I think, the big question that everyone is asking is who is going to be designated for assignment in order to get Santander and Orion Flaherty onto this roster? And um, I, I don't have the answer for that right now. Well, I think the Flaherty move makes sense to remove Ruben Tejada. I think that'll be an easy move. Uh, when you have to talk about an outfielder, particularly when Wait, wait, wait. Have... Can we back up a second? Yeah. Ruben Tejada's still on this team? 
Yes. Yes, he is. As of this moment, he is on this team. How is Ruben Tejada still on this team? Uh, they got to have are, somebody to carry the are, backpack and Are the water. we sure that he's actually on the West Coast right now with the team? He might not be, but he's still <laughs> on the active roster. He's collecting. Do you think Buck is aware that he is on the 25-man roster right now? Yes. Nothing gets by Buck. He's collecting California per diem, and that's all that matters. Do you think that Manny Machado is sitting on the bench and looks down at the other end of the bench and says, Psst, skip. Who's that guy at the end of the bench? <laughs> it's very possible. How is he on the roster right now, as opposed to somebody else? Uh, who else would you bring up? Uh, we need infielders. Unfortunately, we need infielders. The, and this is the thing. When people were complaining Dang about it, time, why did we not trade for Steve Pierce? <laughs> we needed Steve Pierce at the deadline. We could have had a quality second base He infielder. plays a mean <laughs> second base. Now, if we could get a trade for Steve Pierce, I'm all ears. Oh, my goodness. These are sad and dark times we live in. Um, Speaking of sadness and darkness, how about we go over and see what's going on in Birdland uh, electronically this week in 140 characters or fewer on this week on the Twitters? All right. I'm going to start off this week with Dongs After Dark, starting out with a boom. We're going to go to this tweet from Rob Daniels at Orioles Factoids. His tweet goes as follows. Big arms and one big swing. Only three such games in Orioles history at baseball reference. Uh, this was a grand slam occurring for the Baltimore Orioles and 10-plus strikeouts by the starter. Um, and it happened in uh, August 25th, 1960 uh, by uh, Gus and uh, Chuck Estrada. Uh, May 9th, 1962 by Brooks Robinson and Mill Pappas. And then, of course, August 7th. Manny Machado's Grand Slam, um, and then Dylan Mundy putting up 10Ks against the LA Angels. Um, really great game to watch. Um, I stayed up and watched the whole thing. It was the inaugural Dongs After Dark game, basically. And I said, I'm going to stay up through the whole thing and kind of watch it and see what happens. Um, and it was um, certainly a thriller for us as an Orioles fan to watch. It was grand. It was grand. Our next tweet comes to us from Matt Taylor, who, of course, tweets at roar from 34 this is an accurate description not only of this week in orioles baseball but in life in general matt tweets as follows wake up check last night's scores make sure guam still exists yep this, this that's is the world we live this in. is pretty accurate and actually west coast baseball is really weird in that regard of i occasionally wake up in the middle of the night to um take care of certain things such as um i need milk or i need cereal or something just with my kids and it'll be 2 30 in the morning and i'll say to myself Oh, I bet you the Oriole game is right now kind of ending. So I'll pop up on my phone, look at it, give a heavy sigh. My wife will hear me and say, they lost, didn't they? And I'll say, I'm going to need a few minutes. And then I go and muddle over the watching the highlights for the whole game. There's definitely, there were times this past week when I have envied the fan that didn't watch the games where all they had to do was wake up, check the, the box score and mutter to themselves because they didn't live through the the agony the experience of the rest it's really weird like we've talked about west coast trips before and west coast trips always have some kind of magical moment is the best way to describe it. we're just like i'm glad i stayed up and watched that game and I'd say the biggest moment that we've seen for this whole west coast trip really was that first game with the right. Manny machado grand slam um and then the rest of it has just been sad depressing typical orioles baseball well hey there's still the possibility of 18 innings in seattle that is true Jake, he may be gone, but we will never forget him. This next tweet comes from Tom Jones at Steel Brew. This would have been the best Orioles player jersey at Birds of UBL. And, of course, this is in reference to uh, the Players Weekend and where the players got to choose what their their jerseys were going to look like um, with a description. And Hansu Kim has decided to uh, wear his jersey with his Korean uh, script in, uh, in his name on the back of it. This is just a great jersey. Um, I really wish the Orioles still had them because um, I'd be hard-pressed not to go out and get this jersey. Uh, Jake, uh, you saw some of the players' selections of some of their jerseys. Um, on a grade level, from uh, A through F, um, what kind of grades are you giving to the Baltimore Orioles players as a whole? Yeah, I think that it would be um, N for needs improvement. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and the problem is, is that they didn't listen to the Baltimorean, Baltimoreans nickname audit. Mm-hmm. Uh, frankly, some of theirs were uninspiring and, and lazy. And frankly, if they had just taken what Sam and Alan worked so hard to produce, uh, they could have had real, real important jerseys. Jake, instead of going with N on the back of it, um, maybe we could have gone like a Mr. Um, a Mr. A Mr. Mr. 
That's a good old throwback right there. Oral Spastics, please come back. Um, Anywho, now that we have devoided ourselves of anything like that, I want to go to this next tweet, which comes from Dan Clark at Dan Clark Sports. Um, And Dan posted some uh, really interesting statistics between Aaron Judge and Jonathan Scope showing that um, Jonathan Scope is outperforming Aaron Judge in um, average um, base hits, extra base hits, RBIs, strikeouts, um, average with runners in scoring position, and um, average with two outs as well. Scott, I don't understand what you're doing. Why are you being such a hater? Scott, you're just some largely unknown podcaster. You're, you're not allowed to have an opinion that matters. You're not allowed to say things like they're facts and back them up with facts you're just a hater and now, now jake i never said there that i disagreed with it i was just merely posting uh something out there not saying if i felt one way or the other i was just pointing out that in in these key areas that i picked out um you know arbitrarily that jonathan scope could potentially be um better than aaron judge uh based off this tweet for dan by dan clark clearly just just arbitrarily just like, you know, if I were to go to Fox News, I could make a bar graph look any way that I want it to look like. All right. Let me tell you something. The time has come. The time has come. The time is now. Those O's caps need to go now, now, now. Yes, that's Susical, my friends. Uh, Utah Street Report, who, of course, tweet at Utah ST Report, as pointed out by at Mark WJZ. Yes, that's Twitter inception, folks. The O's have lost 10 straight Friday games. There can only be one exception with a link to a Utah Street Report uh, post that says the O's doom uh, the O's cap doom Orioles in 10 straight. Uh, we need to get rid of the O's cap. It's if you're, terrible. If you're going to use statistics incorrectly, at least do it for the purpose of eliminating a terrible, terrible hat from the arsenal of the Baltimore Orioles. All right, next. Remember when we had a conversation, I think it was in 2012, we had a conversation about, no, it was 2014. Why are the Orioles so bad during the day? And so good at night. And we had a conversation about when the ALDS games came out and they were all day games. We said, crap, Major League Baseball specifically did this to us in order to try to get the Orioles out of the playoffs because they know they can't play during the daytime. And in fact, they're vampires, I believe was the conversation that we had during the 2014 season. Which we know is crazy. Crazy. They did it to us because they want more mass and money. Right, exactly. But anywho... Next, I want to I want to talk about two guys that I feel bad for this week. Because if I had to root for either one of these teams, I would feel bad for myself. This of course I'm talking about the folks from Suspetta's Family Barbecue uh, who tweet at Suspetta's BBQ. BBQ Bowl Week, the tweet reads. Our favorite teams begin a three-game set tonight. Which maddeningly erratic team will gain ground in the AL wildcard race with some overly dramatic pictures of the boys uh gents buckle up it's gonna be a rough rough series yeah by the way uh i know success family barbecue um has gotten to become really good friends with um honeywell who's the one pitching prospect for the uh tampa bay rays now mm-hmm. um, i'm thinking that when suspetus uh retires or basically starts to see a dip reduction i'm thinking suspetus family barbecue needs to change their twitter handle to honeywell honeypots and oh, um man. I think that's gonna be a great new twitter handle to follow i don't like that another up and down uh west coast trip again for the baltimore Orioles. let's do a little point counterpoint to figure out where we stand um after a partial trip on the west coast So, Jake, normally I come into this podcast and I've got several topic points that I want to talk about, uh, about the Baltimore Orioles, some things that I have been feeling, some things that I've noticed, but I've certainly been left a little bit this past week of, uh, with a case of the miss is the best way to describe it. And I hate to have a case of the miss because I came in all fired up for dongs after dark and West Coast baseball. You do generally get fired up by the dongs. And I came came away with, from the Angel series and came away from the Oakland series as... I felt like this was a squandered week, and I feel like a lot of Orioles fans feel that way of, um, 
you know, taking only one out of three from the Angels, um, definitely not what you wanted to do. Um, I thought there was actually a really interesting tweet from Britt Rowley earlier this week where she said that she went into the clubhouse at the end of game three against the Angels series, um, and the clubhouse was very quiet, and there was a lot of players that didn't want to have interviews, um, hmm. which she said was very uncommon. It's not, It's happened before to her, but it's one of those situations where it's very uncommon that people decline doing interviews. Um, and then the A-series hit, um, and everyone said, okay, well, if we take three out of four from a really bad A's team, we'll be in good shape. And unfortunately, the Orioles squandered um, at least one game. I don't know if I'd say they squandered Sunday's game, um, but at least they squandered one game this week with Brad Brock basically exploding, uh, and the Orioles only split that series. So now we go into Seattle very much up in the air of, um, you know, it's make or break time. And um, it's, it certainly is a question of what is going to be that moment. So, Jake, um, as a person that's kind of in the middle and waffling back and forth, as I think a lot of Orioles fans are, I thought it might be interesting for us to do a point-counterpoint on some some notes and some things that we have noticed through through the Orioles for the past few weeks. Fair so. enough. Let, let me let me ask you this. Is, l- let me provide point. Okay. All right. Scott, point. Okay. The Orioles' offense has been blistering since the All-Star break. Since the All-Star break, the Baltimore Orioles are second behind the Astros in weighted runs created plus. They've got 117 for the entire team uh, compared to the Astros' 120. How are they with two outs or with runners in scoring position? Hang on. Okay. They're number one in WOBA at 350. They're number one in slugging. They're number three in homers. They're number one in runs scored. They're number one in hits. They are really holding their own. Can I just say, as a pause to this podcast, how proud I am of you. You pulled these stats up without me even having to pull these numbers for you. And you started with exactly the category I would have gone through, which is weighted runs created plus WOBA slugging. Jake English... After six years, you're finally starting to get it. It only took six years. Hey, I can talk the talk. But we can obviously know that you can't walk the walk. But. Nope. <laughs> I don't know what it means, Scott. There are numbers. <laughs> All right. So, But my point sure. is that the Orioles offense a point here. is gotcha. playing. There's never a point. <laughs> the Orioles offense is playing well. Yes. And, and I would say sustainedly. This is not a flash in the pan. This is the powerful Orioles offense we were waiting for finally flexing its muscles um counterpoint mm-hmm, mm-hmm. um they are probably playing above their heads is the best way to describe it um in the past five years um the Orioles have historically been around um a league average 100 rated runs created plus and part of that is because um they play in the band box which is Camden Yards mm-hmm. and it's kind of explodes with runs as it as it is which brings their way to run created plus down um as it as it is um that being said um we talked about at the beginning of the year where the orioles offensively were right around i think 92 or 93 way to run created plus coming into the all-star break and i said at the time it, the orioles are not as bad as these numbers reflect manny machado wasn't doing great um chris davis wasn't doing great and at least one of those things have changed since the all-star break <laughs> um but the other aspect is we've come back to the new york yankees for example the new york yankees and the first half of the season were on fire. And then the second half of the season, um, their offense has certainly dried up. So I think this is just you hate kind to of see that happen. This is kind of the ebbs and flows of the offense performance. But my counterpoint is, Jake, even with this offensive blistering performance, the Orioles are only two games um over five hundred in that span of time and have fallen back nine and a half games out of first place, which I kind of threw out the window because I didn't never really thought the division was in hand, even when we were in first place in April or in May. Um, and that then, happened? It, it, that did happen uh, midway through May, and then that Matty Weeders guy stepped in and everything fell apart. Man, the curse of the Weeders. Um, but now they sit two and a half games out of the wild card, and they got cl- as close as one and a half games out, um, and they need to leapfrog five teams. And that's the biggest concern I have right now. It's not so much as the two and a half games out. It's the amount of teams that are ahead of them, which is just concerning. Yeah, not only do they have to get hot, not only do they have to get lucky, but five other teams have to not get hot and not get lucky. Right. You know, I can help here. Okay. If there's anybody that knows about not getting lucky, it is me. And I can I can teach these teams my ways. I would say hi, Sarah English, but she's not here. But she's not listening. <laughs> <laughs> I 
Uh, so point, but don't look now, but Eduardo Jimenez has had four straight decent performances. And I talked about this in the previous podcast. Um, maybe we're looking at the second half bounce that we were always hoping for where Buck and Dan Duquette said, hey, there's some proven veterans out here. They need to just pitch up to what their talent can dictate. Counterpoint. No. <laughs> I'm rolling up this newspaper and I'm swatting you in the face. No. Bad. I can't put them in my good category again? No. (laughs) Dear God, no. Like, my counterpoint is this. Previous to, in the four appearances previous to the ones that you just referenced, he was abominable. Mm. He he averaged a FIP of just under seven. I refuse, I refuse to give him credit for anything because every plus has a minus. And those minuses are so painful that I refuse to acknowledge the good times. No, Scott. No. And with that, I'm going to bring up a point. Okay. Point. The Orioles might not be done dealing. The non-waiver trade deadline does not preclude them from replacing the terrible starters that they've amassed. And yes, I'm looking at you, Wade Miley. What do you think? The Orioles can, can add starters, yes? They can add starters, but counterpoint... The guys they could possibly bring in to you know, replace their current players are, are not really a great list. You've got uh, the White Sox offering Miguel Gonzalez um, and Derek Holland. Neither are impressive. And I know that hurts everyone to hear that Miguel Gonzalez isn't that impressive. But the other thing is, if you bring them in now, what benefit is it giving you? You're bringing in them in for one month. They are... Joe Saunders-esque rentals or Randy Wolf-esque rentals. Yeah, what happened when we brought in guys like Randy Wolf and Joe Saunders? Randy Wolf did absolutely nothing, nothing. except he had. A, except I remember sitting out in left field and screaming "the Wolf Man" and howling basically. And Joe, Saun- there may have been beer involved. There may have been a lot of beer involved. Um, <laughs> and then Joe Saunders again is very meh. The only aspect it comes back to of. Everyone loves him because of the wild card game, and Joe Saunders will go down in Orioles lore for that. But if you don't remember hearing on the talk shows people lighting up Buck Showalter saying, "What the heck is Buck Showalter doing, allowing Joe Saunders to start the AL wild card?" Where they wanted li- Steve Johnson. <laughs> they are literally throwing their chances down the drain by starting this guy, and everyone had to be talked off the ledge. Okay, so both of the they're available for a reason, right? Both of those guys are available because they're not very good. Yeah, they're, I, and, and I hear that. Yeah, but is not very good a step up from Wade Miley? I I understand where you're coming from it's, because I want to fire Wade Miley into the sun for the second consecutive season. Yeah, I mean, but he hasn't been that bad. Is the best way to describe it. Like you look at his last start, seven innings pitched. No runs given up, a 2.42 FIP and a 3.44 XFIP. That's pretty decent. I mean, I understand he's going to have these really frustrating games, but Derek Holland is going to have similarly frustrating games. I could, the only person I could accept coming back would be Megalito, mainly because of my heartstrings and not based off any statistical analysis. Not to mention, I've got a Miguel Gonzalez like t shirt that I've got on where he's wearing a one with the mariachi one, and I never got a chance to break it out and wear it. So I would love to get a chance to wear it. Um, but again, I don't want to trade anything of value for Miguel Gonzalez. (laughs) Would you have to, do you think? (sighs) Probably not with the White Sox, but still, I just don't want to do it. Um, I just don't want to do it. I'm sorry. Would you consider bringing anybody else in, or is it just no. roll with what you got? You roll with what you got. It's it's just not worth it at this point. All right. Um, point. Um, Tim Beckham has posted the best, best um, F-War performance, or Fangrass War, um, in Major League Baseball during the month of August. That sounds impressive. Yeah, I think it's like a 1.5 F-War over two weeks. And, and I got to tell so you. over entire season, you know, that means he's going to post like a a 28 F4, basically. And it has been really, really fun to watch. It has been really, really fun to watch. And he's been absolutely clubbing the ball and has shown a really great proclivity um, to kind of spray the ball across the fields. And I'll be honest with you, he has had some defensive guffaws, but I've also been very impressed with the range that he showed at shortstop, more so than any of these defensive guffaws. I think you get the good and the bad, and there's more good than bad, right? He hasn't been perfect. But uh, but I, I think there's more to, to celebrate. Uh, having said all that, counterpoint. Mm-hmm. Isn't this just begging 
for a regression to the mean. Oh, absolutely. And, and by regression, I mean, doesn't this just beg for him to fall off a cliff like a stone? No question about it. There's definitely going to be a situation where he's going to fall off the cliff like a stone. But Jake, counterpoint to your counterpoint. What is that legal? That is legal. This is a Lincoln-Douglas debate, if I've ever heard one. Counter so, counterpoint? Absolutely. Check rule four, subsection C, uh, subsection, subsection VI. Hang on. One second. You said subsection VVI? Is that a Scrabble dictionary that you're pulling out? It does not matter. <laughs> um, no, you're right. I'll allow it. All right. Jake, we've talked about this before of having um, a catalyst, as it were, where uh, someone has to spark this team. Uh, 2014 was a prime example, but Steve Pierce mm-hmm. was a catalyst during 2014. Just say it again. Say it again. Steve Pierce, mm-hmm. catalyst. Mm-hmm. I would say that um, Beckham is that Steve Pierce of 2014 at this moment right now for the Baltimore Orioles. You know what? You may be onto something. Tim Beckham can play second base. Tim Beckham can play second base. And Tim Beckham is also an awkward, lanky, white guy. No, wait, that's no. that's the wrong guy. No. Um, anywho, but you're basically getting production from someone that you weren't expecting this kind of production from, and that's the kind of breaks that you need to get um, when your seventh and eighth hitters are going to be Chris Davis and Mark Trumbo. This is not a counterpoint to your counterpoint's counterpoint? Yes. Do you think that Tim Beckham can be a decent player moving forward? Yes, we've already talked about this on previous podcasts. I think he's going to be... Um, a average player. I think he's going to be probably one to two war, which again, we've talked about before. I'm just, I'm terrified to fall in love with him. My heart you, you has been too hurt. You can't fall in love, love with him. Have you seen those socks? They are pretty, I know, I know you really like the they socks. They are magnificent. He does a really good job. Here's what I don't understand. They're wearing a uniform, yes. right? A uniform. Right. How can not everybody be forced to wear those gorgeous, gorgeous socks? I ask you this, Jake. When he puts his socks in the locker room and all the other guys look at him, why do they not just say, gosh, I'm going to wear my socks just like he does today? I don't understand what it'll say when he's flying around the bases. All right. Do you want to talk about socks some more? I'm I'm going off. A a, man's socks? I'm going off in a dark territory about hosiery. So let's bring up one last point. All right. Point. Pedro Alvarez may just be the shot in the arm the Orioles need to save their season. All right. Pedro Alvarez is the same Pedro Alvarez who used to play for us. Yes. And he may just save our season. Yes. So, for example, when Joey Rickard is up at the plate against a right-handed pitcher late in the game, Mm -hmm. why would you not say to yourself, you know, this may be a good time to put in Pedro Alvarez to pinch hit right here, and then I could put Craig Gentry back into the ball game and use him as a defensive replacement. Joey Rickard is absolutely horrible against right-handed pitching. I realize you're putting him in there for other reasons, for defensive purposes, but Pedro Alvarez could be that left-handed bat off the bench in order to get that really clutch hit. I have been so sick of saying to myself, is this really the best bat that we've got? And then look at the bench and go, oh, crap, it probably yep, is. Probably is. So I acknowledge that point. It's the Delman Young point, basically. Oh, mm. no, no. no. Mazel tov! I, <laughs> I wanted you to bring back to He's a very rich man. Um, I was willing Tradition. to. I was willing to have you bring back. By the way, if one of the two of us is going to make musical references, <laughs> musical theater references, it is probably not going to be you in any podcast. What can I say? I'm a matchmaker when it comes to these given situations. Jeez. Counterpoint. <laughs> uh, counterpoint. Will there be a season left to save come September first? Well, I guess you could say it's a possibility that the season could be saved. It's kind of like when the sun rises and the sun sets. Jeez. <laughs> We're done with this segment. Point, um, counterpoint. Look, there's definitely a chance that the season can be saved, as it were. Um, it, it comes back to um, there hasn't been that big moment um, that really has fueled um, game upon game upon game. Um I come back to when Manny hit that Grand Slam. I said, this West Coast trip is going to be a different kind of West Coast trip. Um, And then it turned out not to be. Uh, The Orioles, but we've also seen in the Major League Baseball in terms of the AL, um, that um, there's no way you would have told me um, a week and a half ago that the Angels would have been in a wild card spot. Sure. No way in my mind they would have thought that. Similarly, when the Royals were absolutely in fuego, 
Um, I couldn't believe that the Royals were actually in a wild card spot as well. I still hold to the fact of everyone is so terrible right now that whoever gets hot that that month of September is going to get the wild card spot. It's as simple as that. It's a question of who is going to get hot, and no one has been able to get hot for a prolonged period of time. So at the end of the day, uh, if the Orioles can go 600, have a 600 winning percentage or higher for an entire month, which they've done before in the past, which they could do with the talent on this team, they could easily get a wild card. Do I think they're going to get the top wild card? Heck no. But I definitely think that they could get hot um, and, and have enough wins to basically be that secondary wild card. You know, we're running out of season rapidly. Yeah. Like we're running out of out of games. Um, so we, the we fact keep that, saying that, but it comes back to we still have forty games left. Yeah, over forty games left, and the team is only two and a half games out. And we're like, oh, they—it's impossible for them to do it. But we've already seen multiple teams now be up. They're out of it. There's no way they can come back. And then they get hot and they go on these periods where they're like, oh, they're eight and two over the last 10 games. And then they get leapfrogging into the wildcard spot. And you're like, how did that even happen? And that's the thing. I really think it just takes one good win streak to put them, yep. you know, back in the race in a real way, right? Not in the OG, let's hope. But I, f- I feel like one, you know, seven game streak or you know 10 game uh series in which they go eight and two like you just said mm-hmm. that would really put them right back in the driver's seat um to the point where you could begin to hope again unfortunately we keep going those 10 game periods and looking back and saying oh we played 500 ball or oh we're only two games at, uh, over 500 since the all-star break eventually that has to happen or else it's all window dressing well there's two points that we can make from this either um you go with the aspect of you play 500 baseball and then you hope that you get into a winning streak, um, which the Orioles have not done historically in the past very well. Or you get into the situation, which the Orioles have done well in the past, which is uh, just win series. And certainly this year, the Orioles have not just gone out and just won series. Um, so uh, either one of those functions will work perfectly fine going forward. But um, losing series and um, going with less than a 500 record for this this West Coast trip uh, won't be uh, a disaster, but it certainly will be extremely disappointing and put a lot more onus on them when they come back. You know, Scott, you uh, you've inspired me. Okay, you know, you you got a little musical there. You uh, you know, you brought up some some uh, some musical theater. Uh, I think that we should we should take a look at some music. Okay, I've been thinking about it, and uh, when we come back. I want to talk about some Orioles-related music. Scotty, do you remember the 2012 Buckle Up Birds video? Uh, I, I do remember that um, in terms of the musical selection and everything. Well, I I love that video because it was a nice, like, you know, you could look back and just, it was almost like being able to bottle the memories of that season. And there was music associated with that, you know, Glad You Came and all these other songs. And, and in 2014, it was We Won't Stop. Music, in many ways, has been uh, just indistinguishable from the experience of the season. And I got to thinking about it, and I was thinking, you know, certain players, certain experiences really lend themselves to particular pieces of music. And so with your permission, I'd like to kind of work our way through the Orioles jukebox. Now, this is this is not walk-up music. No. This is music that... that um, music for the soul. It expresses the being of yes. some of these players. Um, and so, Scotty... I'd like to start with the first one, if you'd be so kind. All right. I hurt myself today. I don't know about you, Scott, but I love this song. There's something about the, the fragility of it. Um, and this makes me think of J.G. Hardy every time I hear it. The fragility. Yeah. Just sitting there on his deathbed, basically, playing his last song as he enters into the great abyss of the darkness. What have I become? Everyone I know goes away in the end. 
that was dark. Oh, <laughs> you just you just you haven't seen anything yet. But you know, JJ Hardy is is not uh, the darkest that we'll get to. Um, one of my favorite players to to root for is Chris Davis, and uh, you know, with my head, I knew that the deal they gave him was not appropriate. But you love dong, so but you're I just like, hey, dong, great. You love seeing those majestic homers fly out into the right field stance. And though my heart, or though my head knew it was wrong, my heart said yes. Um, and so this is the song that I've picked out to be the theme of, of Chris Davis. Yes, I heard all that you had to say. That's when it all fell apart. Might be hated, but I can't pretend. I liked you better before. So long, so long. That's right, so long. This reminds me of college so much. The thing is, is that who did not go see Guster in college? We're not just saying so long to the baseball, as we often do with Crush Davis. We're actually saying so long to Crush Davis. And he's being replaced by his alter ego, Chris. Or the Crusher. Let's let's not do that. Uh, I do have one that that isn't mean spirited. Oh, that's nice. All right, this next one. It's I about ca- time. I cannot believe that we don't. Tears are literally running down my face right now. <laughs> it's just because Guster was brought up. Um, this is like my. I still have the CD in my car. This is my own twisted version of Deep Tracks. Um, I can't believe that we're not using this song in conjunction with Trey Mancini, and I think that somebody needs to. Uh, put together a highlight reel of him hitting the ball uh, at at the downbeat of this particular song. Oh yes, this is an excellent call. This is a no brainer. I, I I know you said this shouldn't be walk up music, but this would be epic, totally epic walk up music. But it also, I think, lends itself well to highlight videos. If you were to play this at Camden Yards, like eighth inning, Trey Mancini comes to the plate with like someone on base, Camden Yards would explode. Camden Yards would have no idea what this is. Oh, uh, I get. I, di- I I totally disagreed. Number one, uh, the uh, the individual that plays the music um, at Camden Yards does a great job with selecting music. Um, big fan of WTMD as well. He actually has done interviews on there too. Uh, the individuals that would actually be listening and not just drinking beer and, and, and talking profusely would hear that music and just would go gaga. This needs to happen, Baltimore Orioles. This needs to be the walk-up song for Trey Mancini. Pull him aside. You know what? I take that back. Trey Mancini's mom, pull your son aside, <laughs> explain to him what John Lee Hooker is singing here, and just say, this is going to be your new walk-up song. If you don't agree with it, then uh, meatloaf will not be on the table on Sunday when you get home. Okay, <laughs> I like it. All right, um, this is uh, this this next one is uh, it gets dark again. I um, there's a certain pitcher on our staff who had been a stalwart reliever, someone who could be depended on at any given time, someone who we as fans were behind one hundred and ten percent. And now, Scott, I'm not sure that he's quite as good as he once was. I ain't as good as I once was. I got a few years on me now. But there was a time back in my prime when I could really lay it down. And if you need some love tonight, then I might. Oh, my goodness. Can I tell you something? Guilty confessions time. So now we're going back into the OBP podcast. By the, by the way, this is Darren O'Day. Darren O'Day is clearly not as good as he once was, but he's good once as he ever was because occasionally he comes up with an escape, but mostly it's just sad. Sorry, go ahead. and to- Toby Keith I, I was a big fan, I guess, 2002, 2003, right during the uh, hey era of uh, oh, patriotism galore is the best way to describe <laughs> it. I thought I knew you. <laughs> and I look back at it now and I say, God, that was the ugliest hookup that I've ever had in my life. <laughs> but that's guilty. That's two previous Orioles podcasts that we've called back to this evening that's in true. terms of Orioles spastics and the OBP no, podcast. No, three, the Baltimoreans. Oh, the Baltimoreans. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. Uh, so, yeah. All right, Scotty. When you get this old, you just reminisce over dead friends, basically. 
Like Darren O'Day. Like Darren O'Day, exactly. <laughs> Next, I would like to uh I'd like to talk seriously about Manny Machado. Okay. Because every time I see him on screen, I can't help but think of this song. It's appropriate coming from a New York guy. <laughs> Are we talking about Anthony Santander here? No, okay. no, not so much. No, Manny is clearly going to be moving out at some point. And uh, though it hurts me greatly, uh, I at least like the song. This one could use some work, I'm just going to admit. I, I looked at lots of leaving I, songs. I, there, I, but by the way, music uh, handles leaving in many ways. Oh, it absolutely does. I just feel like this one has some work that could be done with it. I think that you uh, strayed over to this one due to your Billy Joel love more so than anything else. All right, all right. I'm willing. I'm willing to accept that. Um, and if you feel like I've wronged you, you're going to like this next one because I want to talk about Kevin Gosman. Kevin Gosman is a pitcher that we had great expectations for. And every time he pitched in the first half of the season, all I could think is, was, Kevin, why are you doing this? I just want to love you. I just want to love you, Kevin. Please, throw that splitter, locate the fastball. Don't do this. You know you don't want to do this. There's a heartbreaking kind of performance in the first half of the season. Nice. Well done. Don't do me like that. But I point out, second half of the season, Kevin Gossman has been the pitcher that we were hoping for. But that first half was, don't do me like that, definitely. No question about it. Yeah, but every time he has a good outing, I'm just worried that's the last dance. Nah, not anymore. He's back to being his good old self once again. Oh, my goodness. All right. You have really picked some depressing ones lately. Well, here, here's one. Um, we talked about it earlier, and my love of Tim Beckham's play on the field and uh, frankly, the game that he's got as far as the way he dresses himself. So the song that I have chosen uh, for Tim Beckham is this. Ready, JT? I can't wait till I get you on Scotty, this came out after 1973. This came out this decade, I believe. Wow. So who actually picked this one out for you? <laughs> did your daughter pick this one out for you? She did not. She's... Okay. No. No. All right. Well, actually, uh, if Sarah was listening to the podcast, she would be delighted. But she'd be delighted. I bet not. there's a lot of people that are delighted to hear this. Um, you just heard by listening to Jimmy Fallon, didn't you? <laughs> no. Okay. No, I only know this because of my wife. Gotcha. Um, but, you know, Scotty, it's not just about the players. Okay. You know, this, this end-of-year highlight film... Uh, or 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 any production that the Orioles would make would need to, to to discuss some of the other key contributors to the Orioles world, and I want to talk about an undersung hero, someone who gets a lot of garbage from us, uh, Bobby Dickerson, mm. and this is the song that I have picked out for Bobby. Here's the thing. I think that they could probably time his arm swing to the don't stop part, right? They can make that happen. I I, I, I see where you're going with this one, and I can understand it completely. We didn't even have to go to Journey. We didn't even have to go to Journey, absolutely. But I really feel like this was a missed opportunity, personally. Really? I, I, I think that uh, if we were going to go with a certain song, I think it would have to be um, more of this one.
you win. Yep, yep. This is much better. Not to mention, I can really see uh, Bobby Dickerson wearing like dragish 1980s Dead or Alive <laughs> outfit. <laughs> or the, the Boy George character from The Wedding Singer. <laughs> yep. In fact, I just want them to play this in the ballpark. When Bobby Dickerson's flailing. A scoreboard montage of Bobby Dickerson swinging to this song. Yep. Oh, my goodness. Yes, that is definitely the right answer for Bobby Dickerson. I'm sorry, Jake. No. But you've been vetoed here. No, I, and I welcome it. Uh, Bobby Dickerson, not the only fringe uh, contributor that we need to acknowledge. Absolutely not. And I have, I have another one, Scott, that is a, a, it's a stretch. But I think if you limber up enough, you can come with me on this one. Uh, play me the Jim Hunter theme song. All right, let me blow off the cobwebs here and uh, play this one for you. By the way, not from this decade. What do you think? What is this, 73, 74? Thereabouts. All right, let this play while we talk, just to piss everybody off. So this is looking. Uh, this is Brandy by Looking Glass, and here's the thing about Jim Hunter: is it Brandy? Is it Brandy? You're a fine girl. It is that. Okay. Jim Hunter is like Brandy in the fact that the only way that you can enjoy it is like out of a, a Stockholm syndrome type yes. of deal. Jim Hunter. I remember you getting Brandy from the first time from one of your coworkers, and you weren't exactly sure what to do with it. And that's kind of like the Baltimore it. Orioles. You get this weird cocktailish liquor, and it smells really good. But then you drink it, and you're just like, "Yeah, what is this?" The thing about brandy is that if you listen to it enough, you think you like it. But honestly, but it's terrible. It's terrible. It's absolutely horrible. Quick, quick brandy story. Uh-huh. Uh, my dad tells a story. I can't tell if it's apocryphal or not. But apparently, went to he went to one of these dueling uh, piano places. Okay, and the dueling piano players weren't uh, happy with the tips they were getting. Okay, so they they told everybody in the bar, "Hey, we're gonna play brandy until the jar fills up." And everybody laughed, and then they went into brandy. And then that is um, brandy stopped, and everybody laughed. And then they rolled up into brandy again, and everybody got off their seats and filled. That is pretty amazing. I thought it was going to be, "Hey, your mom's name is actually Brandy," but (laughs) anywho, can we uh, can we get a little more introspective now? Sure. So, like, reach out and look at Birdland as itself. Yeah, I want to talk about the fans. Okay. Um, And you know, sometimes things don't go our way, and particularly we freak out when the calls don't go our way, and we're really frustrated with the efficient uh, the officiating. And so, I think this really speaks to what we need. I guarantee you, most of our audience will not know this, but shame on this them. may be um, one of the most underrated series of all time. The distant future The year 2000 The distant future The year 2000 The distant future The distant future it is the distant future, the year 2000. We are robots. Oh, I get this now. Yeah. So it's the aspect of uh, the umpires don't know what they're doing, so we need to get robotic slash electronic calls instead of um, humans out there. Yes. That and I really wanted the Flight of the Concords to be represented. Can I ask you a question? Hmm. When has electronics worked out for the Baltimore Orioles? That's a good question. Nate McClough would say, never. Man. Why do you hurt me? <laughs> Why do you hurt me? Speaking of the hurt, Scott, um, keeping on the fans, I don't know if you're anything like me, but there are times when I'm so angry with the team when they're losing. And it's early on or, or mid-game, but then they find a way. They find a way to, to shine a little bit of hope, and they start that late-inning comeback, and despite my own anger and not wanting to get pulled in again. You part say, of me, what if this happens? Part of me hopes. Yeah. Right? And at that point, I, I'm so regretful for having been pissed for the whole game. And all I want is a comeback. Yeah. Ooh.
Now, see, I would actually argue that this might fall into the similar category of Brandy. <laughs> Not a fan of this song? I, I, I'm just saying that it's a catchy song, but I think that um, similar to Brandy, if a band were to play this and then come back into it to play it again, I'm pretty sure the tip jar would get filled. It's possible. But Jake, I do think you sound very similar to that too with that guy singing. So you might have a career in the 70s, maybe? <laughs> I have a career several decades ago. Yeah. Uh, speaking of several decades, um, I want to talk about us as fans waiting for the Orioles pitching prospects to arrive. And so I think as they roll those names, as that footage goes through, maybe their minor league outings or or their you know college workouts or things of that nature, this is the song that needs to play in the background as we talk about exactly when we can expect the next cavalry. In the year 25, 25, That's not nice. If man is still alive, Probably not because robot elves would have taken over at that point. If woman can survive, oh, that'd be nice. Well, what are they going to find? Tommy John. What? They don't answer the question. They literally just asked a question and answer it. Just left it hanging. Kind of like a curveball. And now we're at 35 35. Can I be honest with you? This song frustrated the heck out of me as a kid <laughs> listening to it. This is one of my least favorite songs of all time. As is Waiting for Pitching Prospects. See, it's so... It's right there. I really hate this song with a passion. Because I listened to it the first time as a kid. I was just like, that's a really cool song. And then I listened to it again. It's like, that's a really stupid song, actually. Like, you just basically throw a bunch of science fiction mumbo-jumbo from, like, Isaac Asimov in there. And it makes no sense from a chronological standpoint. Sorry. Well... As these, these are the kind of tantrums that I used to have as a seven-year-old listening to '60s music. As is our way, uh, we've we've ended our musical uh, selections on a downer. We have ended it on an, an extreme downer, um, which can only lead us to one thing uh, to kind of bring us all up. It's time for some fantasy balls. What? Yes, Jake, it's time for Fantasy Boss. And Jake, you won this week, but it was close at the very end. I, I, I honestly thought that you were going to run away with it this week after Dongs After Dark took off for the Baltimore Orioles. Um, but the Baltimore Orioles uh, let themselves um, get a little too close for comfort on Sunday. But you managed to squeak it out. Nine home runs or nine dongs this week for Orioles hitters compared to the eight that they gave up this week. So, Jake, the score is now tied three to three with two ties. Woo. So, Jake, this week's category, I decided to pay a little ode um, back to one of our earlier tweets with Dan Clark. An homage, An if homage, you will. An homage, if you were. And I think the best way we can determine how good players are at the plate... I love this already. ...is by looking at extra base hits and weighting them all exactly the freaking the same as opposed to saying, oh, you know, a home run should weigh a lot more than a double should. So, Jake... I ask you, which Orioles hitter is going to have the most extra base hits in the upcoming week? Uh, I'm going to go with Manny Machado. I love Manny Machado as a pick. I'm going to go a little bit more curveballish. I'm going to go with Adam Jones. That was legit my second choice. And I think that uh, I think Adam Jones may have something. It's going to surprise us this week. I I From really the love 10. I love that pick. That is a great pick. So Jake is going to go with Manny Machado. Scott's going to go with Adam Jones. For extra base hits, the best way to represent someone's offensive performance whatsoever um, when we're looking to classify players. Yeah, but your opinion is largely unknown, so it doesn't matter. That's true. Uh, and with that, let's go ahead and get over into the good, the bad, and the ugly.
That's right. It's time again for the good, the bad, and the ugly. I'm going to get started this week, and my good, hey, Mark Trumbo had a good week. He did have a good and week. And for the Orioles, that is a that is a trademark good thing. He had a 126 weighted runs created plus. He had uh, two doubles and a home run in the span of 18 at-bats. Hey, if we can get him clicking on all cylinders, that would be great for this team as they try to outslug their pitching. You know, I had Manny Machado down here as my good. You did. I, I saw it. Yeah. But you know what? It's hard-pressed for me to not mention Tim Beckham again, who, again, we talked about last week as our good. And this is a rare occurrence where we go back-to-back weeks in terms of picking the same player. But Tim Beckham has been in fuego. I mean, the fact that he's leading all Major League Baseball right now in terms of kind of offensive performance um, for the past two weeks, I think with only Mike Trout right behind him right now. Um, yeah, what's that guy ever done? Yeah. Tim Beckham deserves a tip of the cap and um, an honorable mention going forward for, for bird's eye view going into the rest of the year. So Tim Beckham gets back-to-back goods, which I believe may be a first-time occurrence ever on bird's eye view. All right, and he's worth it. He's worth every bit. My bad is going to go, oh, my bad's going to go to Johnny Baseball. He had an off week, and he's been lightning on fire, so he's allowed. He wasn't so good this week. In fact, I would say he's bad. A 71 rated, weighted runs created plus with a point. Oh three four, ISO. Ouch. So not getting much in the way of the pop. Hey, everybody, it happens to everybody. Uh, Jonathan Scope has, has done plenty uh, for the team this season, but uh, this week, not so good. Uh, Jake, I kind of looked through my selections too, and I had a hard time picking a specific bat. I actually thought the Orioles on the whole did very well this week. But one player I wanted to point out that I think has been kind of underforming uh, specifically this week and maybe got exposed a little bit uh, on the West Coast um, was this player. Trey Boom Boom Mancini has been uh, a little off this week is the best way to describe it. See, the best part now, Scott, is that we have all these musical selections to reference these players without actually calling them out. Absolutely. So uh, 3.6% walk rate, 21.4% K rate. Um, but more importantly, 222 average, 250 on base percentage, and uh, a 481 slugging, posting up a 304 weighted runs, uh, Woba, and a uh, 85 weighted runs created plus. Certainly not terrible. Um, but if you're Trey Mancini and the only thing that you're bringing to the establishment is your bat and not your glove, uh, you get a ding, is the best way to describe That's why he's not ugly, but you get a minor ding. I will say this his BABIP this week was 211. I think he rebounds very well. Um, specifically coming back home um, in, in the near future. But Trey Mancini had a bad week at the plate, and this kind of comes back to uh, you're not going to be on fire all the time. Um, you will have um, some moments where you're not quite as good, but eventually um, you will pick it back up again, and you may be better than Jonathan Scope, Aaron Judge. You know, Scott, with talk like that, yes, no meatloaf for you. No meatloaf for me, but hey, Trey's mom, if you want to give me a call, please do. My ugly for this week is the standings. The standings. We talked about it before. Don't even bother looking at the AL East. And frankly, the wild card race is frustrating to me. Yeah. Because of how enabled the Orioles are to take advantage of the opportunities that are in front of them. From here on out for a little while, we just need to focus on, as you so well put earlier, winning games, winning series taking opportunities as they come inning to inning, out to out. Forget the standings. Yes, they're important. They're critically important at this time of year. But we've been watching them, I would argue, inappropriately for the last couple of weeks. It doesn't matter how far we're out if we're not playing well. Focus on the playing well. Focus on good baseball. Focus yeah. on the aspect of wanting to go to games and see good baseball being played. Focus on the aspect of certain players that are playing really well right now. And don't focus on games back or the teams ahead of you. If you play good baseball, um, you're eventually going to end up in that wild card spot. And I think we need to get back into um, watching baseball as opposed to looking at box scores and looking in the standings. It's certainly much more enjoyable to me, and I think it's much more enjoyable to Orioles fans. I think we get back to that point um, at a certain point this weekend after West Coast baseball has been over. But I think, as we pointed out earlier, I think a lot of people, including myself, um, woke up many a days watching the box scores and looking at the highlights um, and then looking at the standings as opposed to actually being within the games on a nightly basis, um, which has become common tradition. 
my bad is going to have to go to. I mean, my ugly is going to have to go to Rabrock, who had. I'm an, sorry, who's that? As Rabrock, who had an absolutely horrible week this week. Four point five uh, case per nine, nine walks per nine innings, um, and, and just kind of um, imploded this week is the best way to describe it. Um, Brad Brock literally was responsible for that loss uh, against the A's, in my opinion. Um, just a really unfortunate situation with Brad Brock um, and just kind of set themselves up for imminent failure is the best way to put it. So um, Brad Brock gave away a game this week. And unfortunately, when it's against a team like the Athletics, you have to have those games and be able to win them. So one of the worst times possible for Brad Brock to go boom, in my opinion. And he did. So it was Hunter-esque. It was Hunter-esque, actually. It was that bad. So Brad Brock gets my ugly for the week. Um, I hope he gets it turned around. He certainly has been um, not so great ever since I called him um, great during the bevies earlier this year. Womp, womp. Womp, womp, indeed. Jake, let me play some music here for you, and I'm going to let you go ahead and blow the save. It's been a while since I've done this, but I'm going to go ahead and drag the soapbox over from the corner where we keep it. Oh, yeah. And I'm just going to hop up. Let me just adjust the microphone so that we are in the correct spot. This podcast, Bird's Eye View, is for exactly what you have heard here on episode 213. We provide a bit of analysis. We celebrate the good times and commiserate in the bad ones. We get silly with baseball, music pop culture, and we cruelly tease one another. It's light extemporanea designed to entertain and occasionally inform. It's a great place to escape on a drive, on a run. But unfortunately, sometimes the real world becomes impossible to ignore. As a resident of the Baltimore area, a city that received quite a bit of unwelcome attention recently, my heart goes out to the people of Charlottesville, the ones that did not ask to be a setting of a national debate. And I'm sure that the majority would like to put the genie back in the bottle and go back to their lives as it was just a week or so ago. So hang in there, Charlottesville. For the rest of us, it's easy to throw up our hands and say, no, that's too far away. There's nothing I can do. It would be very easy for us to simply put our heads down and move on, waiting for this particular episode to blow over. And I'm not talking about episode 213. But here's the thing. This now becomes a question of how much hate you and I will tolerate. Hateful groups are allowed to thrive here in the 21st century because they are not ashamed to bear that hate in front of you and I. Think of it this way. You can either become part of the uncomfortable silence with which we as a society greets hate and allows it to thrive, or you can be part of the unwavering intolerance of that hate, which pushes it further and further into the fringe where it belongs. It is not too far away. It is not too powerless. There are absolutely steps in your own life that you can take to push that hate into that fringe. When you look back on this moment in history, how will you judge your reaction? How well will you sleep? Yeah. It's one of those situations where people are going to come and say, you're a sports podcast. Stick to what you're good at. But ah, jokes on them. I'm not good at anything. That's exactly right. Bird's Eye View is not good at anything. But we are here to say it's time for you to speak up. It's time for you to say something. If something unjust is happening, if you feel someone is being mistreated out there, um, say something, do something. It doesn't even have to be as big of a situation as it is um, currently going on within Charlottesville and in, in, in terms of the national aspect. Treat your better human being um, appropriately. Pay them the due respect talk to them in a friendly manner and have a conversation, but let that conversation be one of understanding and empathy rather than derogatory comments and hate. Jake, as John Lennon would say, all you need is love. Or, also, or, or is that Paul? Also giving peace a chance, not a, not a bad idea. Yeah, not a bad idea indeed. So that's it for us, right? Oh yeah, that's our show. Yeah. Remember, you can find this and our entire catalog of indispensable episodes at birdseyeviewbaltimore.com. Bird's Eye View is a proud member of the Baltimore Sports Report Network. You can find that the show on baltimoresportsreport.com slash network and also on Baseball Talk Radio, 
the home of great baseball talk. Bird's Eye View is available on iTunes, Stitcher, and Google Play Music. We'd appreciate a rating and a review. It really helps establish what's called a social proof about this show and encourages new listeners to check it out. 55 reviews, by the way, on iTunes for us lately. Right. Um, so I'd like to get to a healthy 75 maybe by the end of the season. So folks, if you haven't done it yet, it really does help us. Um, engage with us on social media. You can find us on Instagram, Facebook, Google+, and Snapchat. But the best way to get a hold of us is on Twitter. We retweet at BirdseyeViewBL. And feel free to let us know where we aired wrong in our segments this evening. Uh, tell us what music you'd like paired with which player. And with that, Baltimore and beyond, I'll bid you all a fond adieu-adieu. Good night, Baltimore. Be safe out there. And let's go O's. still here? It's over. Go home. Go.